0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What is up, everybody, and welcome in to the Backlighters podcast, Agro and Barracuda. As per usual, bringing you another flawless uh perfect um pristine clean handsome podcast here on the backliners and in fact this perfect episode of the backliners is presented by factor meals head on over to go.factor75.com backliner60 for 60% off your first box that's go factor75 those are the numbers. com backliners60 again the numbers uh in order for sixty percent off your first box, it's a great deal. Bear, uh we're kind of in that awkward zone where patch notes are tomorrow, um, since we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. Uh, so we're going to have a lot to talk about next week, and probably even the week after that. Because it wouldn't surprise me if we did a whole episode uh, or a lot of episode. That, well, it's my my first god is coming out this patch, so we got. I'm sure I'm going to want to. Yeah, it's all ready. It's ready to go. Nope, I know. Tomorrow I get to show them off to everybody. It's crazy that it's uh, that it's finally time. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, I mean nothing I could do to change it now. Um, <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta be able to to let her go. Wait, you guys can't hear Bera, really? Why is that the case? You think? Hmm i literally just tested this to see if it would work so i'm very confused as to why i can hear you so it's definitely something to do with the stream again perfect uh flawless um all that kind of stuff bear could you talk again for me no not yet we're still working on it though you know you can just keep on doing your thing not that one how about this one all right how about now hello hello it's me right, right, we got him we got him john salter there he is. Yeah, uh, Barra said. so I said, uh, my God, coming up. And then Barra said, wow, I thought that was so much further away. And then I said no. And then Barra was like, are you nervous? And then I said, no, nah, nothing I can do to change it now. And then Barra laughed. And then I looked at chat, and you guys were saying you couldn't hear Barra. I wow, you have a
2: really good memory.
1: I, yeah. I think I got it all uh, right there. But, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be... A good amount about um, I'm gonna, I'm sure, want to talk a little bit about Maui and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is crazy. I said his name, and then my brain went, "You can't say that! Like, don't, don't leak it! Like, you're not allowed."
2: Uh, you got Baskin syndrome.
1: I got Baskin syndrome for sure. But I'm allowed these days. I'm allowed. <laughs> I can even roll up my sleeves. If you, you may have noticed, podcast viewers may have noticed that in recent weeks my sleeves have been rolled up all the time and it's because i got a little maui tattoo here on my arm which is like an awkward angle to like show the camera um but i didn't want to i didn't want to spoil it too early so i had to like oh. wear long sleeves so that no one saw it it's been so itchy man it's been so itchy
2: yeah got a tattoo right on the face uh mm, no no <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> no no i I've been wanting to get, like, a sleeve for so long, and I don't know. I think you
1: could really pull off a sleeve.
2: I think you yeah, really do don't, Yeah, I don't know where to start, but I really mm. want one. But, like, I don't know what... Because my brain is, like, towards tattoos is, like, it has to be very, like, important. It has to have, like, such a high, like, status because it's going to be on me, like, forever. Mm-hmm. So, that. I just haven't found a design or like a theme, I guess. Sure. That I want like forever because I've been thinking about lately for like the last like year or two. I want to get like a tattoo for Scott, mm-hmm. and I don't know what to get. And I thought about like getting like Starcraft races. You know, like they have like the emblems and stuff, but right. I wanted to get like that'd all cool. three of those like together because that was like the game we grew up playing. So mm-hmm. I thought that'd be cool. Yeah and then that just kind of like the idea came and then i was just like that's cool and then i haven't gotten back to that idea or like tried to come up with anything but yeah yeah.
1: i'll say for me i was never like i was always pretty ambivalent on tattoos i was like yeah if i find something i like i'll get it and if i don't then i won't um Mm -hmm. and then every tattoo i'm up to five now i have five tattoos uh and for all five A lot of them have been my wife's suggestions because she's so smart. Um, uh, Is she close? Always. I I never have. I never have any room. Uh, In a good way that I like. Uh, Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Me, like, listening for the stairs to hear if she's coming Right. As soon as I've heard the idea, I've been like, okay, yep, that's it. Like, I don't have to think mm-hmm. about it. I, that sounds really good. Uh, I I love the idea. It's perfect. And then I don't have to, if I have to like go, mm, that could be cool. But I wonder if, you know, like then I know I'm not ready for that tattoo or something else needs to change about it in order for me to be ready to get it. Um, mm-hmm. But for all of mine, it's that I've gotten. It's I hear it and I know it's like a gut. It's a gut feeling that I know instantly. I'm like, yeah, that's what that's what i want to get next mm-hmm. uh, and then i just like can't stop thinking about it until i get it um so that's my experience yeah, you know
2: i haven't had one of those gut feelings that i really want to i just want to see a design or like something and be like yeah that's for me mm-hmm. like 100 percent. and yeah i think i'll know it once i see it and i think yeah also i think once i get the first one everything else will come way sooner and way quicker
1: that like, is absolutely true Yeah, the first one feels like it has the most, like, weight Mm -hmm. or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you also, like, don't really know what to expect. Uh, I don't know about, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast at all, but I personally think that anyone who says that getting tattoos doesn't hurt at all is lying. Uh, I think that's just a lie. (laughs) Uh, It definitely hurts. Um, It's not excruciating pain or torture or anything like that. But it is not something that I enjoy. Um, And...
2: Can you relate the pain to something that I would know? Like, um, like number-wise? Like, is it, like, worse than getting pinched? Is it the same as getting, like, pinched? Or? It's,
1: it's like getting pinched very intensely in the same spot over and over again. Um, that sounds awful. It isn't great, like I said, but it's really not that bad. Uh, it's like, uh, I would describe it as, like, uh, a six. Like, it's not... It, I don't know. It's like a six that you know will be over eventually, but it's a it's mm-hmm. a pain that I would say if you experience that and like without anything else going on, and all of a sudden that feeling just happened on your arm, everyone on the planet would move their arm to get away from that feeling. Right? <laughs> like no one's like, yeah, I don't even notice it. Like that's not how it works. Um, but you kind of get into a zone and it it stops. Like it isn't terrible pain or anything like that. There are parts that that hurt a lot. Like you bleed. Sh- uh, yeah, you bleed a little bit. Um, it feels I mean, it is exactly what it feels like. You are getting scratched very hard and very deeply in the same spot, uh, very but like up and down scratched very quickly., um, but it also does feel like a little side to side. I don't know. it's it's a very unique feeling that I don't I don't dread it in any way. Um oh, okay. I'm not like, oh my God, I have to go through that like mm-hmm. it's just something that you know you got to do. and the end result has always been super worth it
2: uh it's also like where you get tattooed right like some are way more sensitive than others and
1: yes exactly like i got this uh tattoo on my outer arm on my forearm and it's like three lines the the top and the bottom line were the least painful tattoos i've gotten because it's like tons of like back up there it's all and it's not really on bone at all it's all like on muscle or fat the middle line, though, that runs directly along my forearm, was the most painful tattoo I've gotten by like a lot. I would say that one. That one hurt like going down the the middle of my forearm bone. Oh, oh. yeah, that one oh. hurts. <laughs> that one definitely hurt. But you know, it's like a you just gotta grit your teeth and you're through Dude. it in a, in a couple like in you know thirty-ish minutes because it wasn't like a huge tattoo that needs uh, that needs a bunch of shading it was in like...
2: area or anything tylenol ibuprofen help beforehand or is that like an after you get it done thing
1: yeah you don't really need it afterwards like it'll be t- oh, okay. tender but it doesn't like hurt forever it's like
2: itches right
1: yeah so it kind of goes through okay. phases like for the first two days depending on the size and like how much shading and that because shading is what really hurts the worst because they have to like get color depth in there um
2: hmm. okay
1: and it's kind of going over the exact same spot over and over again. Uh, the it'll be like it'll be tender to touch for a couple days um and then it will start to itch uh and it will itch very badly uh and you aren't allowed to scratch it uh, because that can mess it up so you don't want to scratch it but it's really tough uh and it starts looking really nasty and like you know you'll think that your tattoo is coming off because like pieces of just black skin are falling off and all that kind of stuff but that's normal you know you just let it happen don't don't pick at it uh and it'll be fine you just toss some moisturizer on it a couple times a day
2: and yeah, i feel like i'm selling myself not to get a sleeve
1: um well i, have, I don't have a sleeve i do have one of my best friends she wanted a sleeve and didn't really have a direction and she just found an artist that she really liked and was like i want animals do whatever and just like oh. let this artist kind of go to town and her sleeve looks awesome um wait can
2: you send me pictures
1: yeah i can uh is uh it it was really cool but you know getting a sleeve is very expensive and very time consuming Um, Mm -hmm. but if you find that like if you don't know what you want to get but you know you want a sleeve that's what i was going to tell you is like if you can find an artist that you that whose style you really like and you know they'll they'll work with you and be like all right yeah i'm gonna do this and this and this and all that kind of stuff but um you can find an artist style that you like and want to just give like a light direction and kind of let them design one for you i think that it could come out like really sick
2: oh dude i could get one at like the beginning of like my gaming career and then like have it go like all the way to smite that'd be cool that
1: would be sick yeah a little some like halo action in in the middle yeah there. have like, like halo
2: starcraft some mario 64 that yeah that that's okay. Cool, okay.
1: Okay, we're good. Okay. I there. made an idea. <laughs> we're getting there. Now you just now we just gotta flesh it out. Alright, let's talk a little bit about Smite at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smite, uh, Smite. Uh, YouTube smite. comment, yeah. you know, insert here. Here's your timestamp, yada yada, yada. Who 13 cares? minutes. Um SPL this weekend. Uh, some pretty interesting sets, I thought. Uh, you know, started off a little spicy with you guys versus the Valks. Um, little uh-huh. uh Little unfortunate for you guys on the bolts, but exciting for yeah. the Valkyries fans.
2: Yeah, not gonna lie, I was stressing so hard during that set I was dissociating. <laughs> <laughs> dissociating. Yeah, so, uh,
1: you're like, wow, not, not Kurnos,
2: lying by the way, this I was is like... not doing very much, and you're like, Wait, I'm the Kurtados. <laughs> like, I was sitting here staring at my monitor because I, I played from home that day, thankfully, thanks to mm-hmm. uh, Kavam and the admins, like, I played from home. And I was like staring at my monitor, and I was just, like, zoning out so hard. Mm-hmm. And my teammates were talking, and, like, I was playing, and I was like, I don't know what they're saying. I'm trying so hard to listen, but it's, like, not getting to my brain. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm just not here. And... Thankfully like it got resolved but the stress of the event I mean obviously I can't go into details and won't go into details about what happened sure. um but just a uh, really awful Friday morning and uh yeah then I had to play SPL a few hours later so uh Another I was idea. a bit fried that day. Thankfully um yeah I I genuinely don't remember the box at all. Like I Fair enough. Don't remember it at all. Uh I remember Sunday's set against Leviathans, I think that set went pretty good. We almost won. Yeah. Uh, but the Valk set, I, I couldn't talk anything about that set. I have no idea what happened.
1: Fair enough. I think that we're good to leave it there then. Um, Bugs versus Kings uh, was the next set on Friday. This one was pretty typical Kings smite. Like 8-5 mm-hmm. to five in kills in the win uh, in game 1. 10-8 in kills in their favor in the win in game 2. 26 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, maybe a little faster than expected sometimes for Kings games, but, um, pretty, uh, no 40 minute, yeah, no 40 minute bangers. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, they were feeling generous that day. Um, Mm -hmm. but overall, uh, in, in watching back a little bit of this set, you know, the Scarabs, you're looking for what they're doing week to week, how they're changing and kind of evolving, Mm -hmm uh their strategies week to week um i liked the idea of Yark on kepri sam on pele uh just kind of letting him go wild uh in the middle of the team fight um Mm -hmm. but against a team like the kings i think that that strategy didn't work due to how the kings like to play the map and how they like to play the game it's really hard to drag them into a fast-paced kill heavy game um And I don't really know that the Scarabs drafted super well with that in mind. Uh, I just don't see a ton of value in, like, drafting Robin Solo against the Kings. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. what are, you know, you're not going to be able to goad them into lots of fights around that Robin in the early game. And Robin Solo scales, like, okay, I guess, into the late game. But he's not the late game team fight carry uh that that you can draft in the solo lane um mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know I, It these i thought the the scarabs looked a little bit better to me um but i was it was their drafting that i wasn't a huge fan of personally in this set
2: yeah, I didn't watch this set, uh, but I think anytime Yar can play Kepri, I think Kepri will always be a good god. So if he can start adding that to his god pool, I think the more the more time you have on Kepri, I think that is beneficial for literally everyone on your team.
1: Right. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's uh, one of those picks that you should kind of always have on the on the back burner mm-hmm. in the back pocket, so to speak. Uh, oh, nice. Got a nice little Final okay K raid. Hello, uh, all the Final okay K fans out there. Thanks for tuning in um yeah, what's up boys we're talking about last weekend in the spl and we're moving on to the titans up against the valks this was a huge opportunity i felt like for the valks to really gain a ton of momentum in this phase you know they come off beating mm. you guys on friday they come into saturday the titans have looked good but not unbeatable uh yep. so far in this phase valkyries looked really really good in game one i mean this was a really really close game and just ultimately can't close out uh this game one and then after that type of you know after the way that game one went it can be really really hard to bounce back and end up playing well in game two uh, after
2: mm-hmm. after a situation like that i feel like what happened in game one I, I i don't think i watched many sets this weekend unfortunately no you're good i was a uh, I was a bit busy i think
1: <laughs> i'm a, i have to scroll through uh the vod in order to double check my uh my knowledge here but mm-hmm. if i remember correctly this was a game that they should have had um that just got away from them a little bit uh but i kind of forget they exactly. still going
2: like their double assassin mid comp, or is benny on like yeah benny was break? on
1: naja mid uh again no. um on set solo uh it looks like this wasn't as in their favor as i thought it was uh just scrolling through the vod um yeah, I remember checking in and being like, "Wow, the Valks are owning." But maybe it was just it just ended up being real close. Um, yeah, but yeah, or could have
2: been like a few kills in the beginning.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean Benny doesn't have the best scoreline at the end of the game, two and seven uh, on the naja mid. But Kiermi Kiermi adding things like set to the to the threat pool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that phase one and two, I thought of Kiermi as like a surquette player, uh, someone who wants to set up his team more so than hard carry the games on his own uh and set is not a setup god that's a i'm gonna do it all for the boys uh, by myself type of god and i think that if he can continually bring that type of pressure to the draft that makes this team a lot harder to play against um and he had a quite a good game on the set game one uh game two went a little bit worse for them but yeah, I, I, yeah, I like, like the idea of Kirby going to things like that if he can if he can consistently perform.
2: Yeah, I completely agree because Vinny has a very, not like selfish, but very carry playstyle in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirby adding more of a selfish playstyle is good because then it's like a double threat that you have to worry about. Whereas before, not, I don't think he had like a complete Captain Twig playstyle, but it was definitely very facilitator, very set up for his team. Yeah, or like very like room making, I guess.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, this is where I was like, I knew I tuned in at one point, and Valks had fire, and they were sieging, and they did. It was like thirty minutes. It uh, looked like they were a little bit behind through the early mid. Won a fight, got fire, uh, and then had an opportunity, even down a little bit of gold, um, to siege with regular FG. Um, from a player perspective, how do you like? I kind of feel like if you are ever on their Phoenix with fire giant and lose. Uh, it, was, it wasn't necessarily a throw, but that was like a, there's a big difference between being able to siege a Phoenix with fire and getting even a a 4k lead in the first 20 minutes of the game and then throwing the game. Like I think of losing a game where you were on their Phoenix with fire to be a more, a, a more difficult loss that, to handle than oh, we got off to a good start and then, like, entered through the mid-game or something like that.
2: Yeah, as a player, I would say those are both equally painful experiences. Because it's like, oh, if we just don't take that one team fight, then we can just snowball our lead so much further. And then in the fire giant one, it's just like, oh, we did everything right, and then now we lose. So, yeah, I, both of them are painful. As a Season 6 SSG member, uh, both of those are pretty painful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Looks like uh, in watching back that fire that that Phoenix siege, uh, they just had no they had no poke they had no way to like open yeah, up. I was gonna say,
2: Titan like defense. an assassin. It's like, right? What are you like starting the fight with? Your mage doesn't really have any room or any like uh, threat, I guess.
1: Yeah, you're starting. <laughs> you have no way to easily start the fight, and they've got like a Vulcan, which is really annoying to siege into. Um, yep. Dude, Vulcan got a coming out of nowhere, by the way, to now be the most valuable mage. Do you think, what are, what are you, what's your take on that? Do you think he's a little overvalued right now, or do you think that he actually is as good as advertised?
2: Uh, coming from our Leviathan set, where Vulcan won every game, uh, that god is pretty good. Yeah? Uh, it's pretty hard to dive, uh, the cripple change definitely made a big difference, and I would like to see more of those changes in the future, because I feel like a lot of those older gods are, like, right on the cusp of getting really good, or, like, getting, being meta, I guess, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, that's Vulcan, I think he's, like, completely cracked right now, I think he's really good with, like, a setup jungler, I think he's also a god that doesn't need setup, you can kind of play him both ways, mm-hmm. um, but his burst on frontliners right now is absolutely crazy. And it, I feel like you have to kill him before he gets off like a second round of buttons or he just wins the fight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, like a Zong Kui, Um Where if they're alive for a long time, you just always lose the fight.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> his cooldowns are just so low that he's not like a typical proc abuser like a Raijin or a Merlin who mm-hmm. can just spread Soul Reaver so easily through a fight. I don't really think of Vulcan as a great AoE mage, typically. Um... You know, obviously his ultimate covers a huge ground, but that's so unconfirmable. Uh and I'd argue his 1 is pretty single target, his 3 is pretty single target. Uh so he's not that type of proc abuser god, but because his 1 cooldown is so short, like yeah, pretty like hard to one. Yeah, pretty hard to deny uh two two rotations of backfire in a team fight. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like it's a 4 second cooldown
2: uh yeah that guy's gotta be threatened or he is going to annihilate your front line in like two seconds
1: <laughs> yep uh percy and chat saying that they feel like the cripple change is the prime example of a mental buff uh don't think it really helped him all that much in reality i am more on percy's side than cripple open this cripple losing the fact that your one got crippled made this god go from near zero pick rate to near 100 percent pick rate um I do think it matters a lot in where you can take Vulcan in a draft, Mm -hmm. uh, which is huge in comp play, but in something like Ranked, uh, I'll bet you that change did nearly zero to actually affect his performance, uh, yet he's seeing way more play than he did before. So I think it was probably mostly, it was a mental buff everywhere but competitive and in competitive, it was only mostly a mental buff. Uh, there was some actual impact, but probably not enough to explain the massive difference in pick rate.
2: Yeah, as a well, as like a competitive player, I yeah. feel like the cripple buff is actually like crazy big. Because you see like teams topic Vulcan, and you're like, okay, your brain instantly goes like cripple gods. We're like, what can we shut them down with? Mm-hmm. And like I feel like RDO used to be like really good into Vulcan, and now RDO just gets slammed by Vulcan because mm-hmm. you have no way to like really stop him. And then Cupid's really meta now, so obviously you can't backfire of uh, that. So it's it's really just in a weird spot, I think, where it's just for a comp, I think it feels so much better to always be able to one out of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do agree with you guys it was a mental buff, but... From, like, going through a lot of drafts, it feels just kind of hard to shut him down right now, I think. Right. Um, I do think, like, wall characters, obviously, you're pretty good into him still. Yeah. But that's kind of, like, the only thing that, that really shuts him down, in my opinion.
1: You know, he's got a pretty decent Vulcan matchup. The young, the young man Zeus, just, he puts down a turret. That's a free chain lightning, you know. He, you win your DPS race, uh... Easy good, what year his, is it like come on man get him out there you i know it doesn't take much to convince ven to play a little z-man so you know that's yeah there's my little tip that's just from the old box days when vulcan was pretty good on box uh i was always happy to take zeus for that matchup
2: me and Vin are gluttons for punishment with the uh, immobile gods. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't know sir. what it is, but uh, every time I can pick an immobile god, I'm like, yes,
1: sir, lock that in. Give me that. Yo, a little Scotty. That seems good. Yes, please. A little Scotty. Why not? Let me
2: die this Erlong gank. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, might as
1: well. Uh, <laughs> one place that you aren't a glutton for punishment, though, Barra, is in paying for your phone bill. You know? True. That's one place where you, have, you said you had enough <laughs> when it came to paying too much for mobile service and luckily there was a place to go where you weren't locked out in the cold i don't know where that analogy came from uh or any where it could possibly
2: go mint from mobile there. let me in to the nice fire and that's such. right but
1: actually the thing about mint mobile is they don't have brick and mortar stores so that's how they save you oh. so much money you know so they actually didn't well ryan reynolds opened his personal home yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> um you know that uh that could in be a it. nice
2: cabin you know he let me right write.
1: right <laughs> Surely Ryan Reynolds owns a cabin. Um I uh-huh. I'd, I'd argue cabins. that it's more likely, yeah, that he owns multiple cabins than only that owns zero cabins. If the if the mm-hmm. if it's over under one. Uh I'm taking the over. Um and it's because Mint Mobile uh is doing so well. With its great deals that Ryan Reynolds could afford all of these great cabins. Uh, that's all. That's not, I'm sure, not actually how it works. Uh, but I don't own any cabins, so I don't really know how you buy multiple. I'm just assuming. Yeah, I'm
2: not a cabin owner as well, so. I'm yeah,
1: but sure. we're getting closer mm-hmm. as long as we're using Mint Mobile. Because, of course, you get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. They don't have brick-and-mortar stores because they're just this stupid middleman that end up costing a lot of money. Why would you worry about any of that when you can just go online to MintMobile.com, take five minutes, if even picking out your best mobile plan and then they'll ship it straight to your door for free and it's just 15 bucks a month uh, you don't have to change your phone number don't have to change your phone just plug in a new sim card and you are good to go you keep all your existing contacts all that kind of good stuff uh Barrett, if you had to guess how long it took you and destiny to do the actual searching and then uh installation for mint mobile total uh how long would you guess three minutes three minutes and do you think you were being particularly efficient
2: no i'm an adc player so uh, (laughs) that is the opposite of what i do
1: yeah you're taking your time and it still took you only three minutes uh so that's that's not bad we uh we Mm -hmm. take those you get again
2: and then on on the renewal it was even less no way yeah it was i literally went to the website it was like would you like to renew your phone but i clicked yes and uh that was it so (laughs) pretty easy Pretty easy. Here it here first.
1: To get your new wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month and get the plan shipped straight to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash backliners. That's mintmobile.com slash backliners. Cut your wireless bill to just fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backliners. Uh,
2: easiest thing you'll do today.
1: Easiest thing you'll do today. Uh
2: no or doubt. Or tonight. About it.
1: Or tonight. Or tomorrow even. Um, maybe even all week, all year, all mm-hmm. lifetime. There you go. That's how quickly you can escalate. Uh Okay, after the Valks Titan set came the big one of the week, I would say. The Oni Warriors up against the Jade Dragons. Uh, Game one, I watched, um, and it was an absolute stomp for the Jade Dragons. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to have today. That's just how it is. Uh, They're just going to dominate, and we can just move on to tomorrow. But then uh, the Dragons, again, we talked a lot about them doing this role swap. uh, I believe it was last week um yep. they do it again uh scream plays zeus mid Pagon plays naja jungle and they're off to a big lead i believe in this game if i remember correctly uh oh no actually it looks pretty pretty even yeah, I think, throughout
2: i think they were getting pressure. i want to say Darda's like cern mid I think, yes okay yeah
1: so i so my memory was incorrect on this game too yes it is pretty even but uh darda is playing cern mid very physical heavy comp for the oni warriors uh their only mm-hmm. magical damage being neoman ymir and nika on Ardeo, uh and then nika i remember watching the one team fight that kind of turned the game by gold where nika kind of rotates over and gets like a triple kill and then from there the warriors are able to pressure out pretty effectively mm-hmm.
2: uh i don't remember if that was the game where they had a bad gold free call and got flanked or if that was the next game afterwards i remember like seeing a little of this set
1: yeah, I don't recall uh, exactly um, which game it was, but I remember vaguely what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And then game three is uh, the team swapping, the dragon swapping back to Scream Jungle, uh, Pagon mid, Pagon playing Vulcan, um, Scream playing a Willish. And this game, very even, very back and forth. And then the Warriors just are able to win a fight around fire, it looks like, and close it out from there. Uh, I really, I was hoping to have time today uh, to watch to watch back this set, but didn't get a chance to. But, yeah, it looks like they literally just pick Mike and then walk to fire, and no one else is really around. Uh, this, is a, this looks like a weird game. Like, there's a 26-minute fire giant with just Mike dead. They commit naja alt and fafnir alt but you know neil's still in dragon form uh and the dragons are down less than a thousand gold and then just can't contest because of 5v4 and never seem to get an honest fight the rest of the game from that position and, and lose the set 2-1 for their first loss
2: yeah i i think warriors have a pretty good matchup in dragons awkwardly enough i mm-hmm. think when warriors are able to play their pressure stop style... wait was that the game dardos was mori
1: no, Dardes played CERN in both games, uh, 2 and 3. He played ESET game 1.
2: Oh, okay. When did he play Mori? Was that Sunday?
1: Uh, probably Sunday,
2: yeah. Oh, okay, never mind, never mind.
1: I will look it
2: up. Dude, this yeah. whole weekend's a blur for me. So.
1: Yes, yeah, I was quite <laughs> busy this weekend as well. Uh, it was, you know, Joe and I's anniversary weekend, so we were busy doing stuff all nice. weekend, uh, which was... Quite fun but it did not mean that i didn't have a lot of time for watching spl unfortunately and uh
2: yeah this is like the least spl i watched in years for this weekend yeah just, just well, couldn't watch couldn't yeah i yeah sometimes yeah, that's yeah you know.
1: yep i sure do know how it'd be um so the J dragons lose they look mortal uh for the first time all all uh phase uh and then on sunday you guys go up against the Atlantis Leviathans. This one, mm-hmm. a much better showing from you guys, as you alluded to earlier. You know, you're able to uh, to be in there and help out. I was Cur- able
2: to look at my monitor and see what was happening, so that was really cool. And that does
1: tend to help, in my experience, at least from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, Kernanos mid for Venn uh, in in the Game 1 loss, but Cern mid starting to starting to pop off a little bit, it seems.
2: Yeah, that, that god does a lot right now. Yeah. Um, we didn't really play game one like we wanted to. We kind of like chalked our draft a certain way. Obviously, you can't really go into detail about that, sure. but kind of chalked our draft a little bit. And then game two, we did a hard swap, uh, like draft wise and identity wise, for what we wanted to do. And I ended up trolling game two. I they called that Erlon was gonna gank like 15 seconds before he ganked, and I was like, I can probably get both blinks here and survive. And then mm-hmm. I died. So that was unlucky. Um, I think I I think my trap was on cooldown or something, but I don't think I ever should have died to that gank. I just wanted to, like, bait and waste their time, but I ended up dying. So it was really bad. I think that was the only way we could ever possibly lose that game is if our side lanes or mid died, like, to the Erlong early game because our comp was so much better. Um, and then game three, uh, we were... I think that game was, like, back and forth uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like two or three different swings back and forth. It was a really uh, close game, contestable game. And then unfortunately, uh, we got their duo Phoenix down. We went to go set up around fire. And we we blinked on the Susano. I think we double blinked on the Susano. Um, I think we thought that he beat, but it was just his Magi's. So we kept hunting for like five to ten seconds later. I think Vin got put in a really like bad spot and then like insta transformed the Susano engage. And then once Vin like instantly dies and doesn't get his ult off, we just lose the fight. There's no way we can win, unfortunately. Um yeah, we it was just like an individual error, but I think our late game is getting better. Um we're just still having to like work on uh, uh kind of redefining our game plans and draft styles that we want. Mm-hmm. Uh we're kind of we're kind of up in the air right now trying to figure out where we land.
1: Yeah yeah i think that makes some sense um yeah just watched back that uh that engage and that is uh, oh the game three yeah the game three uh, yeah the game three fight yeah getting but getting uh a susano on you melee range as a mage 35 minutes into the game relics don't feel like they do a whole lot for you uh (laughs) in in that situation uh don't know he didn't i don't
2: don't think Vin thought that he was gonna full commit to him so he like did not an insta transform and then he just got full committed on it. and it was kind of funny driving back in the in the car i was like maybe i should have stuck with Vin because we saw him didn't have beads but apparently his beads were up so it's a really good thing i wasn't next to him because then we both get hit by everything and he just beads and he just beads my tusky and kills me or yeah just drops us both to half hp and gets kept so yes yeah kind of kind of just Uh, individual mistake by Vin but I mean that stuff happens all the time so I'm lucky
1: yep that's uh, that do be how it goes sometimes Uh, was it a how uh how did it feel going up against uh up against haddix in in, the, in this week
2: oh that guy's terrible it was crazy how bad he was
1: <laughs> i'm watching him absolutely just like basic attack you down as camas yeah dude 20.
2: that guy was shelled and like kept retuned, and it was like 40 damage a yeah. pop and i was like yep i'm not winning this one and i literally i think i would devos that game two box of camo yep and then he just auto attacks me And I do 40 damage. So that was really cool and interactive for me.
1: Yeah, well, he went Tainted Um, Breastplate. So you're healing uh, him,
2: actually. Yeah, we're, yeah. (laughs) Dude, I remember that game. I think they had, like, Divine and Brawlers. And I was like, why? Why do they have that? They have Um, Pele. You guys have Pele. Yeah. Yeah. Bad bad buys. Unlucky. They're messing up. Yeah, I I probably shouldn't have gone Devos that game, but I've been... Devos feels really good some games, and other games doesn't feel that impactful. I know a lot of people have been memeing me for buying Devos or whatever, but it does feel pretty good. Hmm. And I'm looking at it as I'm just kind of wanting to not build the same build I've been building for a long time. And if if a build feels good, I'm just going to slam it in SPL and see what happens.
1: Seems good to me. Um... Next up was the Kings versus the Warriors. The Warriors had a real chance to solidify themselves as a, as a serious contender. I think if they had won this set uh, and they come out of the gate strong, they looked really good in game one. I remember that that was the only game of this set I could catch. Um, and then games two and three just don't go their way. In particular game two, 24 minute Kings victory. Very quick one. Uh, looks like they probably won through backline AMC and Ho Yi. Uh, amc for big man tings not the type of god that he normally goes for but that is uh that's that's exactly what it looks the best i think and b- yep. if bmt can consistently pressure enemy teams to consider amc in the draft uh this king's team becomes even harder to draft against uh which it already isn't um do you think big man tings gets enough credit i feel like big man does a lot of a lot of work Uh, and is not usually thought of as a premier mid laner uh, in the SPL among like the Reddit community or, you know, Twitch chat or uh, casual fans that I talk to all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like people don't put big man's name necessarily in that conversation for, for best mid laner. But I think that if you look at his numbers uh, over the last like two years, uh, I think it's pretty Mm -hmm. indisputable that, that he's one of if not the best mid laners in the league
2: yeah i think if you're a good player you know how good bmt is and if you're a bad player you probably don't and also he's not really that big of a streamer or like name or content creator so a lot of people will like think about content creators and that are also pro players Mm -hmm. a lot more than just a pro player that has really good numbers in my opinion Yes, um, I I think also Kings as a team don't really stream that much. I think it's just like Twig and Genetics that stream. Mm-hmm. So I think that also doesn't really bring much attention to them. Mm-hmm. um Yeah, I, I don't know. I you're definitely correct, one hundred percent that people don't realize how good BMT is. Like he's definitely in contestion for best mid laner, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I. I... Like I'd be hard pressed to find many players who I'd put if we if we had like a season long MVP like Big Man just might have my vote right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has been unbelievable this season.
2: I think he's just one of, if not maybe, the most consistent mid laner. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah i always used to say
1: i always used to say big man is a type of player who's not gonna he's he's a game manager he's not gonna lose you the game he's not gonna win you the game that's what he was when he first moved to mid i felt like uh then there was a while where i felt like he was losing you games um but these days i don't think that he's gonna lose you many games he doesn't have uh a bad game very often um about the same as a guy like paul uh and he has as many carried style performances as like someone like Paul does. I feel like mm-hmm. he's always he like he this guy is hard carrying some games. Um, this game again, this game three against the Warriors. This is a, this is a long game. Okay, this is a thirty-seven minute game. His GPM was five hundred and eighty-three. That is not real. Like that is absurd in a thirty-seven minute game to have five hundred eighty-three gold per minute even if you're a team that's winning the whole time he's on a hyper farm character like poseidon that is still an absurd amount of gold
2: and it's 36k damage all in shinto levels of farming
1: yeah that's crazy that is that is an absurd amount of gold Mm -mm. for a long game i don't know i'm just like looking at these stats and i'm thinking like bmt definitely does not get enough hype uh for for how good he is i think when people talk about the kings i feel like they talk about genetics the most they talk a lot about twig and both those guys are absolutely deserving um but most of the time it's like front backliners who get the hype but it's frontliners who do a lot of the carrying um mm-hmm. like last year on broadcast i would say all the time that i think the leviathans are so good because i thought they were just frontline diffing every team they played against like wrong you, yark and Panatom were just like winning every frontline yeah, battle. Panatom
2: would literally just win games. Like it was crazy I the gilg. Yeah.
1: Like, obviously Shinto and Zapper, are two of the best to ever do it, and I don't want to disrespect them in any way. But I would have won games with the Leviathans playing mid last year at times. Mm-hmm. Because their frontline was that good. And they make your job so easy when they're when they're playing really well. Uh it's just interesting to me that the Kings are kind of the opposite. That I don't feel like anyone talks about Big Man or Netroid. Everyone talks about their front line instead.
2: Yeah, Netroid has been going buck wild lately. He really he has? Like, like he used to be one of the safest ADCs in team fights, and would just kind of have, like, a VOTE style of team fighting, where, like, VOTE and Dardes really never take damage. Like, they will always sit in the back and never, like, trade their health bar. Mm-hmm. And Netroid used to be like that, like, safe play style wise but now this man is like jumping into team fights like trying to trade his hp bar for damage like it's it's really fun to watch something he does a lot for it but uh <laughs> it's it's really fun to watch
1: yeah understands his role on the team you know not not much more you could ask for than that um mm-hmm. and then finally uh the Jade dragons up against tartarus titans i think this was a pretty important bounce back set for the dragons uh you know stopping the skid at one set um not falling into a little bit of a rut uh they come in handle the titans pretty handily um 35 minutes and 25 minutes uh but seems to have been in control for the vast majority of it cyclone in the earlier set and in this set did play some ishtar i think he's the only one to to play any ishtar so far uh in the spl were you surprised at all to see cyclone picking that god
2: yeah i don't think that god's very good unfortunately Mm. uh i think though the one and the two are just not great buttons. Uh, they're just leveling them. Just doesn't really feel like it's impactful at all. Istra mm-hmm. uh, is a really, really fun god, but competitively, I don't think she's the best. Um, obviously, I think her situations where she thrives is if you can ult three somebody and they don't have a relic or a dash, um, and you just one shot them. That's cool and like spreadshotting a frontliner that also feels really cool but the two just doesn't feel that impactful a lot of times and once your dash gets caught and then you backflip into a team you're not loving that either and the old at like long range just doesn't feel that impactful because you hit it like you hit like two ticks of it mm-hmm. and it doesn't really feel like it does much um but i, I was surprised that you picked it uh yeah, I think he was just experimenting, probably. But I was, I was surprised.
1: Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think I was as well. Um, and with that, we are two weeks in um, to the SPL. Uh, kings and dragons sitting at one and two. Well, I guess two and one. Dragons in first, kings in second. Um, no real surprise there. Uh, overall, I think the standings kind of look how we expected. Um, Warriors, Leviathans, Titans, all grouped up in the middle uh you said at the very mm. beginning para that you expected a pretty slow start from you guys that'll ramp up um the slow start has proven to be the case so obviously rooting for the for the ramp up as this as the phase goes on um <laughs> yeah uh, i wish
2: we could uh, replay valkyries that'd be cool <laughs>
1: yeah yeah well you, you'll play them again <laughs> oh know. we
2: do yeah, yeah yeah that's
1: fine there you go you'll uh you'll get your chance to get some revenge there um yeah but yeah pretty uh pretty fun weekend from what i was able mm-hmm. to watch uh and excited to see this upcoming weekend. Um, now, before we get into the random question of the week and all that kind of good stuff, which this week will be our first week that we are taking questions from our Patreon Discord. Uh, you can head on over to patreon.com backliners if you want to get in on the community Discord um, and uh, have your questions chosen, all that kind of stuff, and some more benefits that I'll talk about in a minute. But um, I wanted to talk about something that I think... I know we've talked about it on the podcast at some point in the, in the past, but we've been doing this for a long time and I'm sure a lot of people out there are getting geared up to start their ranked climb in season 10. Uh, I think that we should probably do another series of episodes after worlds on how to climb, uh, and ranked, um, depending on your role, like good habits, uh, good God styles to pick, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that'll be, you know, after Worlds has concluded. Um, but I was talking to a friend who's, like, trying to to improve, uh, like, dedicate some time to improving at Smite and all that kind of stuff, and one thing that I noticed when I was looking at his gameplay a little bit more critically that I'm sure that I can tell that I've gotten a lot worse at as I've uh, become less and less competitive uh, over the years and something that when I dive back into trying to grind up, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to is particularly for backliners. That's what I'm talking about here. Since that's the name of our podcast, uh, (laughs) relic usage is so, so key and it will win Mm -hmm. or lose you so many games. Like you will throw so many easy win games. If you mess up relic usage and you can really win an unwinnable game by using your relics intelligently um so i felt like it might just take some time you know it might be valuable for us to take a little bit of time and kind of uh explore what what i mean by that so bear when i say like using your relic you let's 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 split them up even let's go let's start with beads okay Okay. what does uh what constitutes a good usage of beads versus a bad usage of beads if you had to be very broad
2: Uh, bad is when you use it, you're 100% going to die and you're not buying any extra time by beating. Mm -hmm. I think if you are like where people always talk about like the zap relics, if you're using those right before you die, which is like basically a zap relic or not pressing them, um, you just, you buy those 3 to 4 seconds which can really win you a team fight because you're not dying in an instant cc. So sometimes relic using or using relics and dying is appropriate if you can buy extra time and survive a little bit longer and basically just buy your time or buy your team a few more seconds to win the, the to win the fight. Mm-hmm. But there's a very very uh small difference there I think which takes a lot of hours of gameplay. And also understanding damage values, uh, juking potential, like what buttons are up for them and what buttons you have up. Um, like say your, your jump's up in two seconds and if you beads, you can probably get the jump up and live or even buy like a few more seconds in the air. I think that is a good beads usage. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it's if it's in the 50-50 spot and you're trying to learn how to use relics, just always press it. Yeah, And then you'll start to learn like... You'll start to differentiate which, like, 50-50 uh, is going to go in your favor, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think if you're a player who wants to get better at relic usage, um, and you're really serious about climbing, uh, I would make note of literally every time you use your beads in the whole game. Um, mm-hmm. a have, have a little notepad up on your side monitor, have a little notepad next to you that you can write down in, and just really if you you know if you aren't recording your gameplay uh what you can do you know using obs or something like that or if you're on a console like literally clip every time you use your beads in a game and then just watch them all back and see if you know here are the key questions that i think constitute whether or not you use your relic well number one did you need to use it uh like Barra was saying um I think oh, yeah. that the thing that if takes you're the like longest full time HP,
2: like right. don't most most of the time don't press it like if right especially if it's just the support there yes just take a second to breathe he's probably just being annoying and he's like blinking to see if you beat and exactly like panic yep
1: I think that is such a key thing is like all the time if I'm playing on a smurf or something like that and I'm like in a lower elo I'm playing like Fafnir support and I hammer I walk up by myself out of the jungle and hammer the enemy mid laner and they beads i know that that that, that player isn't thinking very well about the game state (laughs) right like if you if you get hit with a cc the mental check that your brain should start to automatically do after you do it consciously enough is who's around how much damage can they do to me what buttons do they have up what buttons do i have up you know what is my play if i beads now how bad is it if i sit here for this whole cc all that kind of stuff all that should really be going through your head and being decided in like a couple of frames um yep. and it sounds like a lot but i guarantee you are doing it at some level it probably just isn't as conscious of a thought process as it needs to be um so i would look very critically at did i need to beads in this situation and what i do now that i'm old and washed is that I just disrespect every CC in the whole game, and I'll hold my beads uh, until I... I I'm, I'm Snoopy relicking, you know? That's the opposite the Zap of Zap method. Man. It's just, I'm holding it. Like, I don't respect this. Like, I don't need yep. the beads, this Kraken knockup or anything like that. Like, I don't want to. Uh, and then I die, and I'm like, God, I'm so terrible. Like, why am I not using my relics? Uh, so, yeah, that's something that I know that I'm trying to work on uh, as we're getting close to Season 10 is ramping up on threat assessment making sure that i know how much damage i'm going to take all that kind of stuff um mm-hmm. the other really easy thing that you can do to get better at beads and when looking back at clips of every time you use your beads and that really is what i would recommend doing install shadow play if you're on console you can clip it there's a lot of different clip software out there set a hot key every time you use your beads record the last minute of gameplay uh after the fight is over and go back and watch it after the game you could just delete it right after that to save space on your computer um but think about every single usage that way. Uh, and that's could I have did I see this coming and could I have determined that I needed to beads before I actually got CC'd so that I could have pre-beads? Um so often I feel like you see the the max distance spirit ball, and you know it's gonna hit you, you know you don't have room to juke, you know you're gonna need to beads it, and they take the hit stand still for half a second and then beads and then they end up dying because they got cc'd yep. during that time if you are gonna have to beads when the cc lands don't let it land like just beads nine times out of ten that is the correct play now there are time to- you know if we're really getting into like high level strategies there's a there's benefit to waiting and getting cc'd so that they could over commit to you and then you can double relic and bait out more and all that kind of stuff don't worry about all that you know uh if you could have pre- if you saw a cc coming and you knew you needed a beads and you still got cc'd next time it's i'm gonna pre-beads that type of cc and getting slowly also, better pre-beadsing is really important
2: one big thing about beadsing is try to not press another button around the time that you need to press that beads key yes uh can't lock yourself sometimes out. yeah sometimes it won't work sometimes it will so uh if you're going to start an animation right before you get stunned, sometimes you'll have to wait through that duration, and uh, it's not pretty. So, as Agra said, if you feel like a CC is coming your way 100%, you have to tank it. Just Also, you can just do the adapting thing, just pre-beads. Yep. Just, just, you you know you're going to get hit by it, just always pre beats And that's, that's something a lot of frontliners, like really good frontliners do now. If they know they're going to get CC and they need to get their combo off on, say, like, a Hades or something, like, you will just blink, pre-beads, press all your buttons, and ult. And, like, you're literally a CC moon the whole time. Yep. And, but, I don't know, pre beadsing is, like, too advanced. Um,
1: I don't think so. I think it's yeah. an easy thing to, like, I saw this Ymir, this Ymir walked up and froze me, and I got frozen. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. I beads. <laughs> and then i got hit by his two whereas if you would have pre beads this done you can walk out of where he's gonna land the two you know uh all that kind of stuff is pretty easily identifiable i feel like not easy to to change uh and you're gonna have some real bad beads games uh and moments and all that kind of stuff and you know just don't be too hard on yourself understand that that's uh that's part of the the journey uh if you will, is is getting better at, at those types of things. And you're going to have some mm-hmm. stinkers along the way. Um, and then, last but not least, is exactly what Barrow was going to say, which is, if you are not playing a, a backliner, and even if you are, you know, if you're playing Raijin or something like that, that's got to be aggressive. These aggressive junglers in particular, all the time I see people try and, like, Thor dunk and then just get the, and try and use their buttons and once they get CC'd, they'll beads, but it's interrupted their three or their two or, you know, anything like that if you know they're gonna cc you just it's okay to preemptively beats and if they outplay you by holding their cc fair play to them but the vast majority of the time they won't um and you can get so many more kills uh if you aggress use your beads aggressively um in order to know that even if you get cc'd afterwards it's like if i'm cc for these three seconds i know i can kill this guy depending on the game state but a lot of times that's worth it for you uh, as, yep, a, as, a, as a diver. So, just something to keep in mind there. Um, Alright, how about for how about for Aegis, Barry? What are some general Aegis uh, noob traps that people fall into with, with that relic?
2: Uh, I think pressing it every time you beat. Yes. <laughs> uh, people will just not think, and they'll just slam both of their relics at the same time. And you don't have to do that, surprisingly. And a lot of the times, Aegis now is... Like right before, obviously it's gonna sound really, obviously I'm wording it, but right before I'm about to take a lot of damage. Like you need to see the situation coming, especially with how strong mages are right now. I think you just need to have a little bit of foresight to when they're gonna press buttons. Also, same goes for assassins right now. Uh, I think that they are also in one shot positions as someone who got one shot by a Thor like two weeks ago in Mm -hmm. SPL. Uh, You don't have time to beads and Aegis all the time, so you kind of just need to be really quick with your Aegis and figure out when you're going to take a lot of damage or like what... Like, say you're taking a 1v1, say you're taking an ADC 1v1, like, when am I going to get hit by this cubicle? When am I going to hit by the bomb? And if I Aegis one of these or both of them, will I 100% win the 1v1? Mm -hmm. Like, those are the thoughts that you should be thinking. Um, But I think uh the noob thing is just panicking like panicking and just pressing Aegis. like yeah whenever you're going to take like a barely little bit of damage or like if you think you're going to take a lot of damage and you don't end up taking a lot of damage that's not a noob trap in my opinion because mm. someone could have hit you with a lot of buttons right um but yeah you just Aegising is weird i think Aegising is a lot harder than beating in my opinion
1: i agree um i think that the number one noob trap i see is oh man i just took so much damage i'm gonna agus and all oh, their buttons yeah. are down um because and all it does is just buy them time to get their buttons back up uh the the easiest just dis- the easiest like rule of thumb that i've been able to come up with is let's say you're playing against raw and you're trying to kill him you should agus the one every time Instead of trying to agus, trying to agus the ult, right? Like if that if that first beam is going to make this this fight a lot harder for you, mm-hmm. just use it. Like it'll be if you can guarantee that it gets value, uh, and you aren't interrupting the flow of your fight, then it's always worth it to just take the guaranteed HP save versus the conditional one. Um, and that's kind of the way that I think is the easiest way to look at agus is i'm using it as a conditional heal uh to get myself out of weird situations um, yep. and also a really good way to use an agus particularly if you're a mage um is if you dump the whole kit and you know you've got four seconds where you can't contribute anything and someone can be hitting you during that time if you agus it lets you get your buttons back up and then your buttons can save you if you're that type of god you know if you're an eset mm-hmm. or a yannis or something like that using it just to buy yourself time to get your buttons back is really really key so don't be afraid to to be a little aggressive um, if you know your cooldowns can come back up uh during yep. that time the worst timing to agus is use all your buttons take a bunch of damage have to agus at 10 percent hp as all of your buttons come up and they'll kill you out of Aegis every time um so i think that people just wait too long to be using their Aegis. so again same thing type of thing with beats i would just record your your a clip every time you use a relic and then watch back the clip and think could i have Aegis earlier is it did i need to at this point could have i could i have saved it and used it a little bit later uh am i using it when they are on cooldown um because that's usually the cardinal sin you know unless their basic attacks are going to kill you Wait to u- wait to immune the key ability. Uh, am I using it while I'm on cooldown, or my all my buttons up, and I could have used those to to be a little bit more effective? Um, those are the big things that I think will. Th- I would say that taking the exact same mechanical player who has the exact same god pool, exact same tendencies, everything like that, <laughs> one is okay at using their relics as a backliner, and one is not good at using the relics as a backliner the one who is okay will be a full division higher in ranked like yep. the exact same plat player can become diamond by exclusively only being better at using relics uh i really think they're that important um
2: yeah i completely agree like yeah i mean you watch people like zap who will sometimes have like the best baits ever yeah and then sometimes have the worst baits ever but that's just his play style and yep. i think also like, trying to learn a playstyle with Relics is also really good. Like, you can be the super safe team fighter style. You can be the bait guy that everyone goes on. Um, and, like, the way you use Relics is different for both players. Like, Zap wants people to go on him. Zap wants to be 1 HP. He wants to barely survive and buy a lot of time for Shinto to cast. Right. And some people are good at that. Like, Zap is definitely the best player at that. But some people... Like I actually don't think anyone can really do the same thing that Zap does. Like he, he is a inter, but in, like the best possible way.
1: One of a kind. One of a kind. There's there's no doubt about it. Um,
2: he's the best baiter.
1: Not gonna touch that one, even a little bit. Turned away from the cliff, as uh, as we do very often here on the podcast. Um, all right, that's gonna I do set it. You up? Yeah, I know. And I and I turned away. I turned away from the cliff. Uh, that does it you. for our normal stuff. Again, uh, for a random question of the week, this is coming from our Patreon Discord if you want to be a part of our uh Discord community and this is a pretty poppin Discord if I do say so myself. Uh patreon.com/backliners is the place to go, it's the best place to support barra and I directly. Uh if you're a fan of the podcast and then right after this as soon as we hang up uh here on the podcast and on the stream, barra and I are going to be popping into the community Discord every week to just kind of hang out. Uh, You can ask us some questions. We can talk, we can continue our talk of whatever you're talking about on the podcast. Uh, I'll tell Barra what I had for dinner. Um, You know, just that general type of hangout and all that kind of stuff. So again, Mm -hmm. patreon.com slash backliners is the place to go. All right. Uh, So in the random question of the week suggestion channel, uh, we've got uh, a couple ones. I think we'll probably try and do at least two, if not three um, every single week. Uh, so let's start with Sea Fog. Um, they don't know if this has already been done, and I can't remember either. But uh what is your most impressive-looking meal that requires very little effort? So something that you could cook that you think would impress a guest, uh, but you know wasn't actually that hard.
2: Um, I would say probably a burrito bowl or just a bowl in general.
1: Mm, that's um, a good one.
2: So. As as a vegan, uh, bowls are a really good way to get like a lot of nutrients in in a very easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, you just throw like a couple of veggies in there, throw a carb in there, throw a protein in there, have a sauce, and then it always looks so like beautiful mm-hmm. before you dive in, and they're really easy to do because it's just like a few ingredients that you can either like roast or you can cook over the stove. And then it's just like a big combination of everything. So you just kind of toss everything into a bowl and uh, throw a sauce on it. It's, it's always delicious and it always looks really good.
1: That's a good, that's a good answer. Uh, I think mine is anything that we cook in the sous vide because the sous vide is a cheat code. Um, it's un, it's unmess upable uh, and it comes out really perfectly cooked every time. So I think I would say like a, a salmon, um, like a, a good piece of salmon with some some roasted broccoli and then pearl couscous is a great little grain oh, that we eat all so the time. Good. People are, like, we've had a lot of guests over and we, like, make salmon, broccoli, and couscous as the dinner. You know, nice, easy, healthy dinner. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so easy and everyone's always like, wow, what couscous, like, how do you even make this? And I'm like, dude, you literally <laughs> just, like, buy it and then you put it in a pot. Like, yeah. it could not be any easier. But for whatever reason, couscous always like... It's unique to a lot of, uh, to a lot of just like, uh, at least, you know, the people that, that I've served it to are people like my family and that kind of stuff. So uh, middle class white people uh, are always impressed, it seems like, by couscous. So that's that's my go-to at the very it, least.
2: It's just delicious. We cook it in like some uh, chicken stock. Well, obviously yep. not yep. chicken, but chicken. Uh, and it is just, it's banging.
1: Yes, it is absolutely banging um okay next one is from mojo jojo uh this is gonna get me out <laughs> of uh, the hole that i dug myself earlier with my wife uh the three words uh that dis- three adjectives i guess would be the best uh for uh why we fell in love with our spouses uh their examples are like passion <laughs> honesty integrity uh that that made us really uh connect with our with our partners and there's a good one because it was my my wife and i's anniversary uh wedding anniversary this weekend so uh i i'll I'll start then barra since i made you start for the last one um three adjectives uh my wife is very funny (laughs) that's that's definitely uh a big one for me is that i'm gonna troll uh and i need someone who can Laugh at me trolling, but also make me laugh with their trolling. And she's a bigger troll than I am. No one will ever, uh, if anyone knows both of us, then I think everyone would agree. Uh, she is, she is much more of a troll than me, if you can believe it. Um, she's very, uh, she cares about stuff a lot, which I also do, uh, as many longtime podcast listeners know. Uh, and so I think that I would find it hard to be with someone who isn't, uh, willing to be very passionate about very uh, mundane things um and she is uh she's i I can't say patient because she's one of the least patient people when it comes to things that she wants like if she wants something she can't wait like it's got to be right now it's got to be immediate but when it comes you know she's also like a first grade special ed teacher so she has unlimited patience for certain situations but is so impatient when it comes to her own personal stuff and i think that i i just she's uh it's a lot of fun um she's she's just a lot of fun in general uh and that's like and that's very important to me so um i mean i could go on forever but we only have so much uh and you know of course like uh, i was going for personality traits not the fact that i think she's smoking hot but of course i think she's smoking hot
2: uh that's the way it goes. Roddy, you got out of that hole.
1: Just tough climb, you know. I was all the way at the bottom there. Uh, what, what do you got, Vera? Uh
2: Mine is kind of... Well, I, I'm kind of stealing your first one, but Fair? also funny. Um, because we both kind of have a very aggressive uh, humor style, I guess. Like, I've said things to her that I would never say to anyone else. Like... <laughs> But she can see the humor in it, so it's not, like, a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It, that sounds, like, weird, but just the way that we, like, aggressively joke with each other, mm-hmm. but not in, like, a breaking each other down kind of way. Sure. I don't think I would be able to do that with, like, really anyone else. Just We're just very aggressive joking with each other, and I absolutely love it because I've never been with someone that can take a joke as well as she she can. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I guess, like, my dad's kind of the same way, like, aggressive joking with my mom. So I think that's kind of where I got that style from. Sure. Um, And my second favorite thing, or second adjective, is just chill. Um, Because we don't really... Care. we're kind of the opposite of you guys <laughs> where we don't really care a lot about a lot of things mm-hmm. it's just kind of a relaxing relationship where we can have deep talks about some things but also at the end of the day it doesn't seem like that important i yeah. guess sure. um and that's i also like that a lot because it's just like someone i can just lay on the couch with and watch tv and just chill with and that's always been really important to me and i think that was kind of our basis of our relationship when we first started dating Mm -hmm. was like we would go on a fair bit of dates but we both just kind of wanted to be home i guess and just relax like dates are cool and everything but i like or i guess we both like just kind of chilling and watching tv and being in each other's company and the last one is caring. Uh just how much she cares about me and other people in general and wants them to be the best versions of themselves and as well as like taking care of herself. Like she'll always be the one to like get out of bed and either go like at night, like either take the dishes back or cook for me or just kind of make sure I'm in the best, like mental health. Cause I've been obviously struggling for a long time since mm-hmm. my brother passed away. So just caring and taking care of me is definitely one of the top three things.
1: Yep. 100%. Big mood. Shout out Joe and Destiny to two goats. No doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, from from the uh, from the little stack here uh, from the, uh, again, Patreon Discord channel, Seafog, um, once again, our home maintenance thing. Like, if anything goes wrong in that area, you don't bother calling anyone because you got this. Do you have a home maintenance thing? I'm not sure that I do. I have to, like,
2: think about it. Uh, mine is asking Destiny to fix
1: it. Dude, mine is asking Joe to fix it. She is so <laughs> much handier than I am. It's crazy.
2: Uh, like... I'll try to fix something, and if my first two to three things don't work, I just get frustrated and Same. angry and, like, want to start beating it. So like, whatever it is. <laughs> and I'm just like, why won't you work?
1: So but annoying, she'll, dude.
2: She'll, like, slow it down a fair bit. And, like, I the other day I couldn't... It was like yesterday. I couldn't get her, like... I was replacing the battery in her key fob, and I tried to, like get out the like motherboard or whatever it is in there with like mm-hmm. my fingers and I try to take it out with a butter knife and I'm like neither one of these things is working and I was getting so angry I'm like I'm about to like catapult this thing out with a butter knife <laughs> and then I was like nope can't do that so I just went upstairs and like, and so started I think we were like screaming or whatever and I was like I'm just gonna stop doing this and yeah it's
1: yeah joe has to finish a lot of projects that i start for sure um i have uh i did develop um a little extra skill around we had a toilet who that would always you know have that running sound all the time um it wouldn't the the drain wouldn't close off uh and i did a fair bit of work on fixing those um where you know obviously i wouldn't be calling a plumber for that uh because now i live but back in when i was living in apartments and that kind of stuff i'm i'm i definitely put in a lot of tickets for like oh my toilet like won't stop making the the noise and all that kind of stuff um and that's one thing that she does not have a lot of expertise in so uh that very specific thing that is actually uh not difficult at all to fix um that's all me you know i got i got that one uh not a whole lot else though i'm not very i'm not i wouldn't describe myself as uh as a very good homeowner quite yet uh or even okay maybe not even bad i might be in the terrible
2: zone still like my best thing is drilling holes and like putting things up on the wall or putting things together mm. when something breaks in my house i'm not good like no, I, joe is better I than just, me at
1: all at all three of those things by a long shot
2: i'll just start like youtubing things and like if the first two things don't work i start getting frustrated and need to walk away yep uh but when it comes to like an instruction manual for like putting together like a bed or like a bookshelf like i love that and really enjoy it as long as the pieces aren't small if the pieces are small i start getting frustrated Mm -hmm. because i have like it's like some like manual dexterity thing that just annoys me if the, if the parts are really small, I'll just start getting tilted. Um, especially if I like drop a very tiny screw and need to like chase it around the inside of something, mm-hmm. that is the most tilting thing that happens to me. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: I, uh, uh... I'm just getting tilted thinking about it. <laughs> yep,
1: literally. Do you have there's one uh, there's one thing that Every time we would move out or move into a new apartment or to our house, putting up curtain rods makes me want to like do unspeakable things. Uh, that one task for whatever reason, I've always been doing it. Like I always uh, have to do it because she's too short and I need to do something. Uh, and that's uh-huh. me saying that. Um, but I hate it. God, do I hate it? Uh, I hate putting up curtain rods. It drives me insane. I don't know what it is about it, but
2: I don't think I've ever put one
1: up. I would. I would rather get hit in the nuts real hard than have to put up. Really? Yeah. Real hard. I. What hate happened it. to you with curtain rods? I got hit in the nuts real hard. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just a tilter. It's just a tilter. That's all it is. To That's it. fair. Um, okay uh that does it for this week here on the backliners uh we will be back next week to talk patch notes and talk about maui my uh, my first god who's coming to smite super excited about that um hopefully uh it's all excitement and not holy crap uh this is the most broken god of all time um but if it is uh deal with it so yeah that's kind of all i've got um We'll be back next week with some more Backliners action. Again, our sponsors for this episode, thanks to Factor. You can head over to go.factor75.com slash backliners60 in order to get 60% off your first box. midmobile.com backliners, of course, in order to get a uh, premium service for just 15 bucks a month. It's a great way to support the show is to interact with our sponsors. Um, and then if you want to support us directly, Patreon.com slash backliners is the place to go for that. That's where Barra and I are heading. Is over to the community Discord to hang out for a few minutes after the show. Um, And make sure you're checking out all of Prediction's other great shows and all that kind of stuff. A lot of great content coming out of the Prediction Pipeline. So make sure you're checking them out. Uh, Prediction Esports is the place to go for all that. Uh, Barra, with that said, I believe you might know what to do in this instance.
2: (laughs) Bye why would you say it like that
1: i was just trying to have a little bit of variety man you got i was like i thought your camera i thought your mic got cut out at first because that laugh was like it was it was a near the note where you start your buy and i was like is he okay
2: well i didn't know when you were gonna start and i was building up the pressure in my lungs so i didn't know what to do all right, well, I didn't like, even um, do the
1: splash thing. Do you have to do another one? Is that how this works? Or are we just rolling with that one?
2: I don't know. I thought that one was good enough. All right, good enough. All right, see you next week. All right, see boys. The-
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.